Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. So joining me on today's podcast, I have the pleasure of sitting opposite Jo Mithen, who is the CEO of Monash College. Welcome, Jo. Thanks, Gabrielle. So tell us a little bit of background. How do you become CEO of one of Australia's biggest biggest college? Um, well, so I, I had an interesting leadership journey in some respects. I had my... Um, I started university like everybody else does, and at the end of first year, found myself pregnant with my first child. So, I, dela- I then went part time in all my studies and took the next eleven years to get my two degrees because I, I have had degrees in economics and law, and I also had two more children. So I had three children all up, and two degrees by the age of twenty nine. It's a busy decade. It was a busy decade, and then I hit the ground running, and I um, became CEO three years after I started working. Uh, for my first job and my first CEO position and um, at that time Deakin University acquired a company that was in insolvency and I sort of begged and screamed and demanded that they put me in as CEO and they and they did which was a fabulous experience because it was a relatively small company but it had both a national and an international profile and I came in and we, we turned it around in the space of 12 months and I ran it successfully for them for six years, made them a reasonable amount of money and then the Vice-Chancellor at the time said, um, this isn't a good strategic alignment for us and I agreed with her so we decided to sell it so I did that for them but I stood on the deacon side of the transaction mm-hmm. so I made myself redundant. And then I went on and ran a law firm and then, which was a very interesting experience, having studied law and not wanting to practice law, I realised why, <laughs> spending 14 months in a law firm is definitely not for me. Um, and again, turned that around, double partner profits, did all that sort of stuff. And then and then I, I resigned in advance of Christmas so that I could have a break because I was pretty tired. And I was approached about this job about two weeks later and started here in um, in the April. So I delayed that recruitment mm. as long as I could to get a rest. And I've basically just grown the company since I've, so I've been here 10, nearly 11 years now. And um, I guess I'm really passionate about, um, I am passionate about training and labour, labour market movements and globally, yep. you know, the impact of education on, in, on improvements in um, the lives of people from particularly developing nations, which is where we do a lot of our work, and just the effect of education just more broadly. I mean, I, I was the first in my family to finish high school and go to university, and I have 26 first cousins. So um, wow. so none of my parents' generation, and again, my parents are in their early 70s, none of their siblings finished school, mm. and no, nobody went to university. So I mm. came from a very blue-collar background, and, you know, education made a, 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 an extraordinary difference to my life so it's been a really nice fit for me to work here and do what I do yeah so, yeah. so I'm intrigued have uh, have you ever reflected on how you go from your first job to CEO in three years because I imagine that is not very common yeah well I think it's sort of you know I, we in that first job we used to run a really big um, conference every year and one year we had Paul Keating speak and I got to spend some time with Paul in advance of him speaking and again afterwards. Um, I wanted him to talk about leadership and he said to me, Joe, leadership is just two things and two things only. It's courage and it's imagination. 
And I've reflected on that a lot because in many respects it takes courage to imagine. <laughs> you know, so at the core of it all I think is courage and the ability to really, I think, be true to what you believe. I think you've also got to have courage to be open to other people's perspectives as well. So it's not about, you know, ramming my view down the throat of anybody who wants to listen. It is, But it is about once you've taken advice and you've thought about it and you've formed a position then you have to follow through you know mm. so um so from that that first job when I pushed to become the CEO of the company I genuinely thought I could do it but I think back now on the person who did that and I honestly can't believe it I had three little kids I was living in Geelong I had to get up at, and leave Geelong at five o'clock every morning to drive to Melbourne to do the job my marriage broke up that year. It was a huge, huge, huge year. Um, but it set me on a path and I felt like I caught up a few years, you know, from yeah. being out of the workforce by doing it. And, uh, yeah, so... What do you think was the driver? Because, you know, if, if like, you've got three kids and you're mm. living in Geelong, it's obviously, you know, you're stepping into a major task and workload. What was the driver, you think, to, to be the CEO? Was it make a difference is to um, influence well it is <laughs> I mean there must be a bit of control freaking me like I prefer <laughs> to be the one making the decisions and dealing with the consequences than dealing with the consequences of somebody else's poor decision um, so there's certainly that but I've just always I've just always been that person you know I was college captain at my school I just I've just always been out in front and I think in that particular role the driver was I just, I remember, you know, when I first started the workforce, I was finally in the workforce after all these years at home with kids studying, where you've got no money, you know, very little, none of my friends were doing any of this, they were all travelling the world, having a fabulous time, and here was me at home, desperately trying to get the, through these damn degrees, it just seemed to take forever, and I just, I felt like I needed to catch up, so I just, I said yes to everything every single opportunity and when I saw an opportunity I jumped at it so yeah I don't know that I'm all that different now perhaps I don't have quite the same um, you know anxiety around catching up I feel like I'm in a good place but I still can't bear to see opportunities wasted or missed so I still go mm -hmm. hard and get frustrated when people don't <laughs> and when you um it's interesting you talked about Paul Keating's you said it's courage and imagination which I love because uh, um this topic I guess is around authentic leadership and one of the things mm -hmm. I think is that you need a lot of courage mm -hmm. to lead authentically um has there been a time when I guess the courage has gone missing or you're being tested in your authenticity yeah. Yeah, there has. There's been times I've pulled back from saying things or doing things which I've later looked back on and not regretted because I absolutely don't live with regret. Life is too short. But if I had my time again, I might do some different things. Um, I worked once under a person who was remarkably unethical and I was aware of some of the activity of this person and I didn't say anything. Um, that wouldn't happen again. Mm. What, what, what was the reason you didn't say anything? What do you well, think? I had an awareness, but I didn't have evidence. So, okay. I, you know, it was like, what do I do? And I was at the very, honestly on the cusp of resigning um, and he lost his job. That's happened to me twice. I've had leaders who I've not, not only not respected, but thought were doing wrong by the institution. 
And when that happens, then I, I... Well, on both occasions, it was bizarre because at the point where I thought, this is it, I'm out of here, they were terminated, both of them. But I would... If that situation occurred again, I would leave. I'm much more comfortable now with... Um, with knowing that if I'm working for or with that per person, I'm endorsing them, mm. and that's not how I want to be perceived. So, and and so that I would just make a different call now. Yeah, yeah. I think you can often make different calls with a little bit of wisdom yeah. and experience. Yeah. Well, if, should, if there's no upside to getting older, then I don't want to keep doing it. <laughs> Yes, well, we we were just talking about your upcoming fiftieth, and and I've and I like I said I turned fifty um, last year, but it's it is one of the up, upsides of getting old because yeah. there's not a lot of upsides to getting old. <laughs> well, it is better than the alternative. My husband well, always says. Well, absolutely, which is so true. absolutely, yeah. it yeah. is better than yeah. the alternative. But yeah, one of the things is you can I guess sometimes can take have a bit more courage in the mm. way you lead. Yeah. Um, you're probably more comfortable in yourself, and and sometimes it's actually well I don't care now. Yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't need it as badly as I thought I needed it back then. Yeah. You know, um, and and these days it's much more important to me to be very clear about mm. who I am and and what I do. Yeah. So, yeah. Is there someone you've admired throughout your career that um, you know around authentic leadership that you you take inspiration from, even even whether they know it or not? Um, it's interesting. I I guess I. There's not that many people that I look up to and, and think are amazing. And it's not that those people don't exist, but I, it's a little bit like competitor analysis. I sort of don't bother with it. Mm. I'm broadly aware of what our competitors are doing, but I honestly don't, I don't want to delve in and find out the, it's in, you know, the, the ins and outs of it. It's a little bit the same with other leaders. You know, I'm, I'm surrounded by them professionally and, and in different contexts. So... You know, the chair of my board is Christine Nixon, and I think her courage as um, Chief Commissioner of Police for Vic Pohl was, was remarkable. I think she was dealt a really um, unfortunate blow on her departure. I just feel, I always feel sad for people when they've done great things and the, and the end hasn't been on the terms that they should have been. Mm. So, yeah, there are people like that. So when I say I'm surrounded by them, I mean, I'm literally, I've got on my board of directors, I've got a whole bunch of outstanding people who wouldn't be known in the broader business community but who are people I admire and people who have invested time in me to help me be a better leader so there's all those sorts of you know people that I really admire so yeah no one specifically apart from maybe Christine yeah yeah excellent what would you say is the hardest part of your job um <clears throat> the hardest part of my job well see I run a commercial company in a fairly uncommercial context. So the university sector, not that they're, you know, I think sometimes they get a bum rap, but it's very difficult trying to be commercial within this context, and it's not always valued. So I find that really challenging on occasion. I mean, I suppose I just rely on the fact that we're doing good things and we're delivering a service that we can all put our hand on our heart and, and honestly say we're doing delivering an excellent service and we're protecting the brand and doing all the right things. So, um, but the hardest part of my job is probably like everyone else, it's sifting between the important and the urgent, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and making sure that everybody, everybody in the business um, believes they're adding value and understands why they do what they do. Because mm. I think sometimes, you know, we've got over a thousand staff here and 
I worry sometimes. Our staff survey results are good, but you do worry sometimes. Do people understand how truly important it is to provide education to, to, to people from countries where the local provision isn't going to enable them to achieve their, you know, their success, the success that, you know, they're worthy of. So, you know, I just would like to, if I could make that thing clearer with my team, that would be what I'd focus on. Excellent. When, um, when you're not doing your job, which I guess is a lot of the time you are doing your job, yeah, yeah, but when you're not yeah. doing it, what, what, what do you love doing when you're not at work? Well, you know what? Ten days ago, I became a grandmother for the first time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Having had a child at 19, my eldest daughter is now 30, and she's just given birth to a little girl. So I have no doubt that in the future that's going to occupy a lot of my time. Um, but up until then, <laughs> I've always... I mean, we, we have a large family. My husband and I have five children. They've all got partners. So we spend a lot of time with family. And as I said, I've got 26 first cousins. So, you know, it's all... Family is a very big part of my life. So that's important. But other than that, I love bushwalking, do a lot of walking and exercising, cooking. I collect wine. I've got a 2,000-bottle cellar, which I... When it all gets too much, I just go sit in it. <laughs> and drink some of it. Yeah, well, I just look at it even. It's enough to keep me going. No, I just, I love food, wine, entertaining, and family. They're, they're my things. It yeah. doesn't get much better than that. Do you still have some of your children living at home, or are they all... One left, left? but he's um, he finished his degree in architecture in the middle of the year, and he's working professionally, which is wonderful. So uh, he's, he's, the hints, the subtle hints are starting to drop. Like, you know, 24, maybe you might want to... I want to think about leaving home, so I, I suspect sometime in the new year we'll see the back of him, and then and then we'll be able to pursue the next chapter. That'll be the, the what do they call that? The empty nesters yeah, and all bring the kids. It on. Are... All these people who grieve about empty nesting. <laughs> all you could say is we're pretty up for it. We're good. We're ready. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's yeah. been a while, hasn't it? If it it's uh, for it's nineteen to yeah, yeah. fifty or what's it been to? Yeah, twenty or twenty four. Oh yeah, thirty odd years. Thirty odd years with yeah. kids. Yeah, I reckon it's time yeah. to yeah, yeah. have a house again with our kids. Yeah. Just just enough yeah, years yeah. between the grandkids coming That's right. over, That's looking right. for a place to stay. So you said you um, you love cooking. It's one of your favourite things. What's your what's your signature dish? Would you say? Do you have? Oh, see, I'm interesting. Now. I'm an insulin dependent diabetic. Have been since I was ten, and yet I am renowned for desserts. Go figure. Now I make this food that I really shouldn't be eating. So so you do eat it though. I do eat a little yeah. bit, <laughs> but I'm pretty careful. Um, so I uh, I don't know signature dish. I've got a, a few, I guess. You know, um, anything with chocolate, ice cream. You know, <laughs> just all the all the good gear really. I'm just Make picturing... a mean plum pudding, actually. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Christmas yeah. is coming up. Yeah, You'll probably get onto it. Yeah. I'm just thinking yeah. wine and chocolate and yeah. that's, yeah, that's all, all you need. <laughs> yeah. All you need. Do you... Um, have you got a favourite quote that you use that all your... You've got a favourite quote and why, is, why it resonates with you? Do you know, I don't actually... I don't so much have a quote. When I, I went to INSEAD a number of years ago and did the advanced leadership program there, and at the end of the program we were asked to show an image that represented, you know, how we, what we were going to take away from our experience, and it's sort of something, I guess, that since then I've tried to aspire to. And the, the image I selected was Picasso's Peace Dove. It's okay. one of the simplest drawings you know it's just a few lines and it's a dove and it represents peace and so for me I guess my challenge is to be at peace you know and that reflects a little bit of that drive 
early on in my life where I just was, felt like I was always trying to catch up. So for me, I, whilst I don't have a quote, I'm, I'm always trying to remind myself that it's okay to just sit. It's okay to be at peace. You know, you don't have to be running all the time. Mm. Otherwise, it's all going to whir past me and I'll miss a stack of stuff. So, yeah, so that's, that's mm. what I, I draw on every now and then. Yeah, that's quite nice. I think also too as you know, CEOs and senior leaders, uh, I guess our state of being can reflect the culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a lot of emphasis on it's placed on being busy, mm-hmm. where what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing from you is it's uh, just put that emphasis on peace and being... Yeah. Then yeah. do you think that does impact the team around you? Or? I'd like to think so. I'm... When I'm busy, I'm busy, and the world knows it. But, you know, at the moment, for example, I get to work early, but I leave to go to the gym or to go for a walk, and people see that. I'm very visible about yeah. that. So um, that gives other people permission. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I tend to be a fairly, um, a relatively transparent person. When I'm happy, the whole world knows. When I'm grumpy, people know. I don't take it out on people, but people know. If, or if I'm stressed, everybody seems to know. The people who have worked for me for a long, long time really value that because and and that people who work for me I just tell them you'll never you'll never have to wonder where you are with me you will mm-hmm. always know so you know yes if I'm if I'm stressed that everybody will feel it if I've got a more peaceful approach then it will come through so um, again you've got to look at stuff like staff surveys and the sorts of people who say when they come for interviews I've, I've always wanted to work here or I've heard great things about this leadership team and I get a lot of that feedback so I assume that all of those messages you know both the busyness and the peaceful and the trying to have everything in balance I assume that gets out yeah yeah Yeah. people feel it I hope so (laughs) yeah um do you do anything to help I guess really solicit feedback from your employees and the reason I actually you mentioned you know you listen to feedback um but to really know what's going on with them, do you, do you think you'd do anything that helps that? Yeah, I mean, you can really never do enough, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm a bit frustrated that we, we don't do enough. I do, um, I do, we do reviews after every single event or function that we have where we ask people to give feedback and it tends to come back fairly positively. The big one for us is the... Um, the staff survey, which yeah. we conduct every year. So that's a general state of the nation, if you like. And it's very thorough, and there's like hundreds of questions. And that that's consistently come back well. And when it hasn't, that's, you know, we've really dug in and, and sort of tried to find out what's going on. And when I say when it hasn't, I mean when specific issues have come back badly, not the overall, because that's always been pretty good. Um, I look at attrition rates. I mean, you've got to look at, you've sort of got to triangulate the data. If people are leaving, then there's something wrong. Um, I look at the number of applicants we get for roles. I look at a whole bunch of different things that help me understand where we sit. And relative to competitors, I guess, if we were losing senior staff to our competitors, then I would feel that we were doing something wrong, but I know we're not. Mm. So, you know, that that is always good feedback, I think. Yep. Um, you know, I get up every month and talk to the team. I tell them what the numbers are like because I feel that we are completely market facing like so many businesses but 
if the numbers are down and that's going to threaten job security, then I explain to people what's going on. I explain what we believe to be the reason for the declining or the growing numbers, whichever mm -hmm. way it goes, and the implications of that. So I feel that I'm very honest with people. Um, uh, and, yeah. I wish we had a little section on the, on the intranet where I, I... I wanted to be able to create a section where you could just randomly provide positive feedback about people in the workplace yeah you know just a, a note you know Carl helped me with some data today that really enabled me to make that presentation more powerful and I really want to thank him you know so I've been trying to create that kind of a section on the internet and for some reason my my comms people tell me we can't do it but we're aspiring to that level of you know I mean we probably could through a blog or something but Anyway, we're, random, we're aspiring to... Random acts of yeah. thankness. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. you know, because they're the sorts of things... I mean, I email those people to say mm. thank you or, you know, drop off a bottle of wine at their desk or whatever, but it's different when it's public. Mm. I think people really appreciate that. And there's a lot of good that goes on in organisations that doesn't get recognised. Lots and lots of little things that help every day. So we have staff awards and, you know, we do all of that. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be... I'd like to enable it to be a bit more free-flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're working on that. Work on that. Good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a bit of a fan of reducing the amount of corporate jargon we use. <laughs> so I always ask that if there's one phrase you could ban, like yeah. if you had the power to go, we are not using this yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What would it be? Oh, I, I mean, wouldn't it have to be use of the word strategy? I mean, that's just overkill. <laughs> there's a few more creeping in too. I'm just trying to think. I should have written these down before I came in. We add strategy to everything that... Oh, God, yeah. Pivot's the new one. Pivot Everyone's a new pivoting. One. Yeah. Pivoting yeah. everywhere. Pivot's a new one. <laughs> right, that's pretty gross. No, I think, yeah. I mean, we all, unfortunately, we all get sucked into it a little bit, which kills us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even, a, you, know, I'm, you know, I do jargon-free Fridays and I really yeah. try not to use yeah, jargon. Yeah. But, yeah, sometimes you use it and someone will go, what does that mean? And you yeah. go, oh, that's yeah. jargon. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing I hate are acronyms. We're just an yeah. acronym-focused business. And, frankly, every business I've worked in is. And so I was just reading board papers the other day. I read through it and I actually red-penned a lot of them. It said, for God's sake, yeah. <laughs> we know what it means. Nobody else in the world knows what means let's make it readable yeah so yeah i think um i think we are addicted to the overuse of acronyms mm. so we there's this reporting style that we reduce everything to an acronym when mm. it doesn't actually need to be no. and we're only doing it so we don't have to write out the full word yeah. every time but it actually makes it harder for the person reading to understand yeah yeah and you know and yeah, well, we, it's like an emoji we don't say you know love you anymore we send a love heart <laughs> i mean i i don't my husband <laughs> loves emojis <laughs> my mother but I, I've never used one and I don't think I ever will but it's a similar thing isn't it you know the emoji yeah. instead of saying it I don't know that's why don't you use emojis because <laughs> everyone around me uses them and there's just too many of the damn things <laughs> okay so I want to I want to end with a couple of personal questions I guess mm -hmm. is um, I've already asked you your signature dish it's, mm -hmm. it's about the dessert what's your um, favourite 80s song or artist Oh, that's a tricky one. You know, oh, there's so I, many, I know there are so many good ones. To yeah, exactly, from. exactly. <laughs> it was the decade. Um, so, I guess I would. I have to. He'd kill me if I didn't say it. I think, but since um, being with my husband, I have become a real fan of ACDC. So I don't know right. if they fit with the 
kids really, I guess they do. I think, and I I think a, they crossed over the yeah, 80s as I well. A, I was a big fan of Billy Joel <gasps> at the time, which feels like it doesn't sit comfortably with ACDC, but nevertheless, that was one of the first concerts I ever went to. So At Kuyon? Uh, no, at um, Rod Laver. Ah, okay. Uh, is, that, is Rod Laver the big one or the little one? The big, anyway, the big one. I went to the little one, whatever that little one is. And, um, yeah, so Billy Joel was great. The very first concert I went to was Mental as Anything. That was fun. I was 15. I think it was, <laughs> it was early 80s. <laughs> Yeah, that was very fun. I um, I'm a massive fan of Billy Joel. Too. Are you He's really? My favorite. And I, the reason I said Kuyong because I remember seeing him in concert at Kuyong when yeah. they still had concerts yeah. out of Kuyong. I think in one month I saw Billy Joel and Michael Jackson, oh, and um, I, I held Billy Joel's hand. Oh, really? He, yeah, he ran up the side, <laughs> and I and he jumped up on the step in front of us, and and uh, my boyfriend at the time was holding him up by his bum, yeah. and he I was holding his hand. Oh, no, so, that's a highlight. Yeah, that's a highlight. So I, I think yeah. the only thing on my um, you know, bucket list is to because I go to New York uh, mm-hmm. often, often, and not often enough for work, is to see Billy Joel in yeah. concert at yeah. um, Madison Square Garden, yeah, which yeah. he plays once a month. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why it's like Simon and Garfunkel. I know again, Simon and Garfunkel and ACDC, how do these two fit together? <laughs> and they're definitely not 80s, but um, I've seen Paul Simon, I think, every time he's come to Melbourne, just think he's amazing, such a talented songwriter. So, mm-hmm. anyway. So you, so you are, are torn with your 50th because it's yeah. whether it's 70s or 80s. I think yeah. you just need to combine it. I think it needs to be <laughs> yeah, 70s exactly. and 80s. Yeah. Well, then yeah. you can cross over these, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> artists. What's your favourite song, do you think? Uh, you, you, yeah, too many great songs out there. I don't know. I wouldn't have a favourite, I don't think. It's not fair to choose one yeah. with so many. yeah. Okay, final question. Final mm-hmm. question I've got for you, Joe. One piece of advice you would give your 20-year-old self, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, what would it be? God. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. It'll all be okay. <laughs> You've got to remember at 20 I was just married. No, not even. Had a, a little tidy baby. Just thought, you know, did actually think I'd thrown away every opportunity I'd been given by getting pregnant at 18 and, you know, and uh, so I, was, I wasn't, I wouldn't describe myself as happy at that age, but nor was I unhappy, but I was anxious, like, will I ever catch up? Will I ever own a home? Will I ever earn a decent job because I'll be a mother and I'll be bringing up children? All that sort of stuff that you worry about. So my advice would be don't, don't panic. Don't panic. That's lovely advice. Don't panic. You'll own a home and one day the children will leave. Exactly. Exactly. Joe, thank you so much for your time and and happy birthday in advance of your 50th coming up soon. Thanks, everyone. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.